This is Giants Amongst Us. Now, here's a little story I got to tell. What's up? How's everybody doing? I hope you all are in good spirits. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are at this point in time. So we're back from our break, and we've got another one. Real stories told by real people. And today, Emmanuel joins us, and he's got a story to tell. Imagine growing up in a cult and being kept away from your biological father, bouncing from place to place with the mother who was abusive, and as a child, when you try to speak out and look for some kind of support or help, the authorities, school board members, all they give you is a cold shoulder. They look at you in disbelief. Your words fall on deaf ears. How alone would a child feel to be ignored like that? How that could damage and affect and just kill the spirit of a kid. This was Emmanuel's reality at a young age. And at 15 years old, he left feeling that that there was nothing else he can do but just get up and go. At 15 years old, left to fend for himself. I'd like to give you all a warning, too, that this episode will have some sensitive topics being discussed. Sexual abuse is one of them. Life is a journey. It's a hell of a ride. In Emmanuel's story, it has pain. It has suffering. It has trauma. There's abuse. But to anybody that has listened to this podcast and this show, you know that it doesn't end there. And Emmanuel's story is no different. Because he talks about growth, he talks about love, he talks about forgiveness, he talks about healing. And that's the essence of this podcast. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Emmanuel and his story. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. We've got another show. We have another story. And today we're joined by Emmanuel. I probably said it wrong again. We were trying to get it right beforehand, but I gave it gave it a shot. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. You could have been doing anything. You could have been anywhere. It pretty much was a spur of the moment. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. So welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I always... Um... I, I use any opportunity to uh, tell my story. I I think it's important. And I, I, I love your angle of, uh, you know, having a positive impact on people and people being able to take something away from uh, other people's experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for starters, can you share with us a little bit about uh, where you come from and how it was for you growing up? Oh dear, yeah. You know, if you ask me that kind of question, that that already kind of um, that opens up a can of worms. Yeah, yeah. That that already gets into the whole issue because because I didn't have a um, typical childhood like at all. And we're talking about out of the womb directly. In my case, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all kind of related, and it it starts with um with with my birth, pretty much. Yeah, that that whole thing is 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 also um 
related to to everything uh, right but but I'll, I'll get you in, in, into that later so i don't i don't know where where i where i should start well how, how about like um let's because you do have a a unique upbringing um if didn't we talked a little bit offline so i kind of have a small backstory but i'm sure there is so much more but for starters i guess did you grow up in a large family or was it a small family um my my actual family was very very small because like i said uh you know sometimes my mother was was living in communes to together with me so in that sense that was like that was my family but my actual family was only my mother that's why i said it starts with my birth because um i was i was born uh, you know i'm german and but but I, I wasn't born in germany and um and i i lived all over the place uh and um and that was mainly because um my mother didn't want my father to to be able to see me uh so so that's why i was born in a different country and that's why we always moved to different places and that's you know that's why it's difficult to to talk about my childhood out of curiosity how old was your mother when she had you um 28 and i was um in a way, I was her second child, but I, I was her only child. But in a way, and then, you know, I was her second child in the sense that before she had me, she had an abortion. So, and and she didn't want to have that abortion. You know, it was it was her father and um, and her boyfriend that pressured her into having uh, an abortion, mm-hmm. and that traumatized her. She felt guilty, even though it wasn't her fault. There was nothing to feel guilty about, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned. You know, if if she was pressured into doing that, it, it's not her fault, right? But she felt guilty anyway, and um, so she she was looking for a way uh, uh, to, to make up for that. And she figured, well, if she just has another child and doesn't abort it this time, she can she can make up for having aborted the first one. And, um, and so, so she just kind of, you know, picked up my father in, you know, in some bar, you know, just, it was just like the first dude, uh, uh, she met and she threw herself at him, mm-hmm. uh, just, just to have the child. And, and after she was pregnant, uh, he, he served his purpose. She didn't, she didn't like man because of her own, um, negative uh, experiences with men and having been forced to have the abortion and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so that that's how all that uh, came about. And then, like you were telling me a little bit beforehand, you were born into what you would you would call a cult, right? I wasn't. I wasn't exactly born into it. That's actually a good question, you know, because I. It might it might actually all have started with my birth, but I don't know for certain. I just noticed something, you know, when I when I looked into some of um, the teachings again. I mean, I I know the teachings of that um, uh, religious group. I you know I obviously I still know them from my childhood, but you know now in preparation I looked at it a- again a little bit, and I noticed that one of the gods or one of the divine beings. Divine beings is a better word. One of the divine beings they believe in is actually called Emmanuel. So mm-hmm. it's actually, you know, it's my name. I figured, I, n- I, never, I never noticed that before. I never saw that before. But did my mother 
give me that name because you know because 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 uh, that uh, a, a religious group believes in 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 that being as as a divine being you know they, they have a divine being called Emmanuel I, I never thought about that before I never realized that before but I think my mother actually intentionally gave me that name because of that and I, I never knew for certain if she was already in contact with that religious group when I was born but I think she must have been yes and you were moving around. You said as far as you can remember, you were moving mainly to stay away from your father. Uh, right, right. So if you're moving around the way you were, I could only Im- imagine that you weren't able to go to a, a regular school. You no, know, with- no, no. Um, okay, well, so first off, well, when, when I was very young, you know, she was moving around a lot. And then, then there were, you know, it was a period of time, a couple of years where, where she settled uh, in, in that area of the religious group and where we uh, were, were living on the property of that religious group. And and, uh, and and that lasted the longest time. That was the longest time we, we stayed in one place because we stayed in that place for, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight years, which, which was very long. It was the longest time in my childhood that we stayed in one place. And, and other than that, Mm-hmm. It was all just, you know, moving from from one place to another, usually within a couple of months. Can you, for that that seven year period, I mean, you don't have to get into everything, but can can you kind of give us an idea of how it was being involved in that community? Uh, yeah. Um, well, in a way, it was. I mean, it's a very. I mean, we can we can call, we can use names. <laughs> um, it's called uh, well in English it would be called universal life. In German it's called universelles Leben. It's a it's a German Christian or at least they call themselves Christian uh, new religious movement. You know as as you as you're supposed to say nowadays instead of cult. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the new just word? Kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah but, but I think that's that's the that, that's the PC term, right? It's a Christian new religious movement, <laughs> and actually, it has some some Gnostic elements uh, to it as well. But I didn't notice that as a child. As as a child, I had no idea what what Gnosticism even was. It's just recently that I learned, you know, some some aspects of Gnosticism, and I realized, hey, that group like twenty years ago, that that was like total total Gnostic. And of course, as a child, I didn't yes. notice that. So it's, yeah, it's a, um, it's a Christian neo-Gnostic uh, sect uh, that's, that was at the time, at the time was very popular here in, in that area. So I live in Bavaria and uh, one city in particular where they were very popular back then. But, but outside of that, that they're probably not as well known, but still, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's still relevant um, because the, the way they operate and the way all of that happens is, is maybe pretty typical. And and a lot of, you know, a lot of similar groups uh, uh, probably operate very similarly. So um, I imagine that even if people don't know that specific group, they, they might know a group uh, like that. Um, when it was that time, the seven years, how old were you? How old were you during that? Time? Yeah, so at the at the time when she was really starting to get serious with that group, I mean, she she always read, she had always read the, their books, and and she 
And that's, that's probably why she gave me that name, because at that time she was already reading their books. And then, and then she was in a place where they had a small community. You, you want me to mention the German city names? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we were living in Regensburg. Okay. Another, another city in, in Bavaria uh-huh. where, where they had a small community, a small community. And, and she was very involved in that small community there. Uh, but, but she felt she wanted to go to, to, the, to the big community, which is in Würzburg. So then we moved to Würzburg so that she could live um, because the, the, the properties, uh, they, they have a lot of properties. Both, both now and back then, you know, they, they own a lot of buildings around here, a lot of a lot of farms around here, a lot of um, compounds, basically. Yeah, so so a lot of real estate, you know, they, they have a lot of real estate, and so she moved uh, here to live, uh, you know, on, on one of their farms and basically dedicate her whole life to them and work uh, with them, work for them. It was really, it was like a, like a bit like a communist commune in a sense, you know, everyone was working together and there wasn't really a concept of money. Everyone was kind of sharing everything, you know, I, I don't think they do that anymore. Little disclaimer in, in case uh, someone from that group listens to that and, and maybe gets offended and says, oh, that's not how it is. I, I don't think they do that anymore now. You know, that, that whole commune aspect. I don't think they have that anymore. But back then, they were emphasizing that a lot. When was this? What year? Around what year was this? I think it was in... It all really started in, in, in 1988. I mean, at least for my mother, right? So I think in 1988 is when... Uh, I mean, she was already... Before 1988, she was already involved with a small uh, community in Regensburg. Around 1988, she she moved uh, to Würzburg, and that's when when she dragged me into it. Uh, how, but your question was how old I was. So I was how old would I have been? Yeah, it started. So it so it started when I was around five years old. That's when when she really uh, dragged me into it as well. Wow, five years old. So now your mother at this time dedicated herself to these group of people, and she pretty much was. Um, devoting her life, her whole lifestyle was a part of building or serving this this sector. Now she was already an adult, but what was what was it like for a child? Like what kind? Were you also were you also put on the farm? Were you uh, sent through classes? Were they like indoctrinating you through books or or uh, lectures and things like that? So later on, that that was when I was already out, right? But then they, but then then they started to really have schools and to really focus on children. But back then they didn't. So back then they didn't have schools of their own, and they didn't really target uh, uh, children yet. So that the whole back then the whole doctrine and and all the teachings were focused on adults. I didn't I didn't really care for. For, for that at, at all because it didn't it didn't speak to me you know at, at, at that time they were really focused on on targeting adults that were disappointed uh, with the Catholic Church because in this area I mean it's not the case anymore now now they're all atheists now everyone almost everyone in Germany is basically an atheist even if they even if they say they're not atheists trust me they're atheists I've, <laughs> Well, anyway, most German most Germans are atheists now, but back then, 
at least in that area, everyone was Catholic, and back then everyone genuinely believed in God. At, at least they, you know, at that time they still kind of did. So they were targeting these kinds of people, you know, um, who truly believed in God, but who were disappointed uh, with the Catholic Church because obviously, you know, if you're a Christian, if you read the Bible, you, you'll, you'll discover some discrepancies uh, between how Jesus acted and how the Catholic Church and the Pope acts, right? So they were targeting these kinds of people and was very effective, but it meant nothing to me as a child. How did they occupy the, the time of kids? Like, what were they doing? Did you guys have, uh, like, sports that they put you in or the activities that they... They didn't uh, have any official programs um, for children at that time. They didn't have them yet. Like I said, later on, they started focusing heavily on uh, uh, children. But at that time, they didn't do that yet. So they didn't have any programs for children yet. The extent of their programs for children was like, in a way, it's a little similar, a little similar to Islam or to, or maybe to Mormons, in 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 the way that they have their own prophet, in in this case, a woman. They 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 say they're Christian, but and and they say they believe in the Bible, but in reality, they kind of really don't. What they truly believe in is these revelations by their what, what's a female form of prophet. Uh, prophetess. Right, by their prophetess. Okay, so that's what they truly believe in. So every once in a while, uh, back then, the prophetess would still come out with new revelations, so to say. And uh, that was like a big event, and everyone was going there. Even though you never saw her in person, it was always on tape. <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, so, so those, those events were big. And my mother, of course, always went there to, to, to hear the newest revelation. And, uh, and and of course, she, she dragged me along. And of course, you know, I, I didn't know what to do, do during that time. So so they started arranging, you know, like they, they would have like a big conference room where, where, where the prophetess on tape would give her newest revelation. And then in the next room, they, they, they would organize a little room for the children to play. So so that, that was the extent of, of their programs uh, for children back then. So and and the rest of the time since we since we were living on on their compound, anyway, uh, you know of course I was you know I was living with them and everyone I, I kind of liked it because they were kind of friendly, I mean at least to me as a child right so I was kind of in a way it was kind of fun you know uh, and I was helping uh, helping with the farming and helping with some of the chores and uh, so so that was kind of fun. Like with my mother, because I was always only around with my uh, around my mother, so so it was kind of nice uh, to also have some other people to be around with. So for me, that that aspect was actually kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what what I was trying to understand. Like even if they didn't have any kind of programs for the kids, but what were you doing at that time? Your mother and people there were they even allowed to leave? Like, say, if they wanted to, if they wanted to go uh, visit family outside the compound, how was that looked at or how was that dealt with? Obviously, I mean, that, that wasn't specified in in their teachings, right? But obviously, if you have a group like that, obviously, you know, because it's just human psychology, right? It's just human psychology. So mm -hmm. uh, gradually, um, automatically, you know, because these people bond together, right? They're, they're, they're going there, not necessarily because uh, they, they truly believe all the spiritual teachings, but also a big aspect 
is because of the community. They're, they're looking uh, for, for, for a community and they're, they're looking for other people, you know, to give them a purpose in life and to, 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 to have a bond with and, and stuff like that. So automatically, if you're in such an environment and if it's very intense, then yeah. increasingly, uh, automatically, these people will, with the passage of time, start to more and more demonize uh, the outside world in a, in a, in a way. Uh, and that's also a big aspect for why I, I didn't go to school uh, most of the time. So most of the time I wasn't in kindergarten and I, I didn't go to school because my, my mother wouldn't let me. <laughs> Even though in Germany, you know, there, there's no such thing as being homeschooled in Germany. In Germany, by law, you have to go to school. Uh, but since they, they didn't have schools of their own and since uh, public schools were kind of demonized I, I just simply didn't go to school and I didn't I didn't my, my mother didn't let me to go to school anyway mm-hmm. you know even you know independently from from that group she, she didn't really want me to go to school in any case so if we weren't at that compound then most of the time I would just have my mother at that compound at least I, I had contact with with these other people there right yeah how was the the relationship with your mother during that time, um, the the relationship of my mother was always uh, was always very difficult. Uh, <laughs> it was never easy because um, oh, there, there's so many issues. I I don't I don't know if you have time to get into all of it, but let let's just say it was always difficult. Um, and may, maybe you can kind of understand uh, why why that might be difficult in in in, in such a situation. Yeah. And for as long as you can remember, has it been that way? Mm, it was. Um, I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm not saying that's because of the the group, but it was always difficult for me. Uh, I never had a normal childhood, no. And uh, so, so eventually, I ran away. I left the group, and I, I left my mother. Like we were talking about, you know, when before we started, that ties in into some of the more difficult and and, and serious aspects, and that's that I was abused, even sex, sexually abused. Uh, so, so that's why I ran away. And it, it wasn't because, you know, it wasn't the, the people in, in, in the religious group that abused me. Well, it, it was, it was since my, obviously since my mother was part of that religious group, but anyway, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the people in the religious group that abused me. It was my mother that actually sexually abused me. Uh, so that, that was obviously the most difficult for me. And that, that's why, it was never easy for me in my childhood, especially when I was still around uh, my mother. You know, no matter if she was in that religious group or not, obviously it was always difficult for me to be around my mother. That, that's why, you know, I eventually ran away from my mother. Because, you know, normally you, you, you'd, you'd have like, you know, you'd have like child protective services or something helping you. And that's also why my mother moved around so much. It's is to to avoid uh, the the authorities, right? And and she was pretty good at avoiding the authorities and staying off grid, um, you know. Other than in in such communes, but these communes, at least back then, were off grid themselves. So she always kind of stayed off grid. Uh, so so there, there weren't a, as many outsiders around to help me. And even if I did manage to to talk to someone, or I, I even tried to talk with the police, uh, but back then it was just 
you know, the people didn't believe, couldn't believe that. They, you know, they believed me. I remember talking to the police and they, they believed me up to the point where it became clear that the allegations of, of sexual abuse were not against my mother, but uh, no, the other way around, we're not, we're not against my father, but against my mother. And they, they couldn't imagine that, you know, they, they couldn't imagine that uh, my mother would do that or that a woman would do that. So they simply didn't believe me. So at, in the end, I, I didn't see any other way uh, than to run away. That's that's just a damn shame that, you know, a lot of people's voices are left unheard. Um, how, how about like during during the abuse while you were in these um, these communities, was there ever anybody around that seen or had a feeling about something going on? Uh, that's that's dif- that's difficult. I, 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 I don't. Well, on the one hand, I don't want to say anything wrong. You know, I don't, I don't want to accuse that group of of of, of something it didn't do. Uh, on the one hand, and on the other hand, I honestly, I I really don't know. I was. Uh, well, um, I I only only reason I ask that is because it seems like there's there's a there's times that people are in the presence of something like that, but for whatever reason. They turn away from it. They don't want to get involved in it. Yeah, yeah. That, but that—that that was the attitude of everyone back then, you know. So it wasn't—it wasn't just the people in that religious group. It was—it was everyone that that saw that. You know, I mean, most people that that had contact with me or my mother saw that there was something off going on. But most of them had had just kind of had the attitude of, of looking the other way. And like I said, back then, people just couldn't imagine that a, a, a woman uh, would do something like that. You know, if, if it was the father, it was something different. But with, with a woman, they, they couldn't imagine that. It was kind of the attitude people had back then. I don't know. So you were you were getting that not just from the, the local authorities, from everybody. I was getting that from everyone. That That's my point. I was getting that from everyone. Right. From not just the local authorities, but from anybody and everybody that was around and um, didn't say anything. And it's like a lot of times, you know, you you hear of these stories and it's like, oh, if I would have known. And, and there's there was so many red flags, but but things go left undone. And especially at a young age when usually uh, a child, you're seeking protection, you're seeking support from the adult. And in in that sense, it seemed like you're surrounded by people, but it's like, I can't trust any of them. And there's really nowhere to go for the support that I'm looking for, because it seems like nobody's listening and nobody cares. How were you at that time? I'm sure you were inside. You were you were all mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think the real reason and of course, I don't know that for sure. It's just it's just my impression. You know, if you. If you're looking for an answer of, of why people behave like that, see, and it doesn't matter if it's if it's that religious group or it, it was it was like that with other groups as well. You know, no matter where we were, and even if I, you know, there was a at least a short period of time where my mother actually, uh, you know, eventually she realized, okay, I, I need some schooling, right? So eventually she did send me to school. So it's not like I've never went to school, but even when I went to school. Um, it was a it was a private school. It wasn't 
like I said, there were no um, there were no schools of of that um, uh, religious group. Uh, by now, they have their own schools, but back then they didn't. So, uh, and and since uh, public schools were demonized, you know, she she at least sent me to another private school, a, a private school that again emphasizes uh, spirituality a lot, and and they also gotten you know some criticism. And um, the teachers knew what was going on. You know, they, they saw that. But they didn't help me. And um, I spoke with one of my teachers lately, you know, like after 20 years. And he explained uh, what was going on. And, and, you know, he just, you know, blatantly explained to me that, that he was actually told that if they see abuse, um, even even sexual abuse, if they see that some of the children who go to that school uh, are sexually abused by by their parents or whoever, they were specifically told not to report that to the authorities. And the reason was that that was a private school. And I'm not going to say uh, uh, what school it was. That's not important, you know. But it, it was a private school that faced a lot of criticism in the past, you know, precisely because, you know, people were already concerned for the well-being of the children there, so they were like, "Well, if you know, if that comes out, then that's that's just gonna you know make us look even worse." And that was kind of the reaction of everyone, you know, no matter if it was the school or if it was um, the religious community or if it was um, the village, uh, wherever I was, people didn't want something like that to come out anyway because they felt it would make their village or their religion or their school or their whatever look bad. That is, to me, I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest, to me, that's just sickening. How, because you're worried, you're so worried about your organization that you're tied up to, you're so worried of the name being tainted, that you're not as a human being when you see something that is morally wrong like that. It, to me, I feel obligated to step in and do something, whatever it is. I mean, I don't care if the authority is telling me not to do it. Some things I'm going to go ahead and cross the line no matter what, especially when it's having to do with that. Because to me, when I hear that kind of stuff, it, it's sickening that people are willing to override any kind of safety, security, love, something to do with a child. You're going to override all of that because of fear that your organization or your club, the name is going to be tainted or you're going to lose your job. That, if if that's the case, it's like, I don't want any kind of relation to that organization anyways, if they're, if they're related or they're tied up in that kind of sickness. And that's just my two cents on that. Yeah, that, but... Uh... In reality, that's that's how a lot of people act, especially, you know, especially in in communities where, where well, where, where the community is emphasized a lot. That's that's kind of the downside of that. That um, they they might see it as solidarity, you know, solidarity to towards the other members to not make them look bad, but that's kind of the downside of it, right? Yeah, like what what was the final. Um, breaking point to where you decided to, because it that was a young age. You left at fifth. That is very young. To did you step out on your own? You just left and got completely lost and separated yourself from them. 
Um, yeah, I, I was uh, both. I was uh, separating myself. Uh, well, actually, I, I started by, well, it was sort of at the same time, but, um, well, the one kind of goes with the other, right? I was separating myself both uh, from my mother and from the religious group, though though I, I first started with, with separating myself from the religious group and, and then from my mother because, you know, because she was, I mean, at that time, uh, I was like about, about, how old was I? Yeah, about 12, 12 or 13 and then my mother um, moved away from uh, from the compound. So um, when I went away from my mother at, at fifteen, we were already no long no longer living at that compound. She was still kind of into it, you know. She was into that ideology, and uh, I don't know if that ideology and that belief is good or bad. I'm not going to pass judgment, but I I just felt it necessary to get away from from all of that at that time and especially of course get away from my mother the way i did that well originally my plan was to you know just just get help from the authorities you know get help maybe from my grandparents they they were one of the few people who believed me but again you know basically because of solidarity to uh, my mother, <laughs> they did. They, they didn't help me. Uh, so you know, then I tried getting help from uh, uh, from my teachers at school because at that time I, I was going to school. But you know, I just you know just told you how that went, and, and you know, then as a la- as a last resort, I I simply tried calling the police. That didn't work either because they you know I, I explained a little. They didn't believe me because they you know I had I had their full attention. Uh, until the moment they realized my accusation wasn't against my father, but against my mother. And they, they couldn't, at that time, they couldn't really believe that. So they didn't, didn't take me seriously. So I was left with no option. Or at least I felt I had no option and I didn't, I didn't get any help from anybody. At least that's how I felt at that time. So I didn't see any other option than, than to run away by, by, by my own. And, um, the way I did that, now that I think about it, was actually pretty clever because, uh, of course, you know, eventually, you know, there were some troubles and eventually I, I did end up on the street. Uh, but at least initially, of course, the plan wasn't to end up on the street, right? And I, and at, at least initially that worked. I didn't end up on the street, at least initially. Um, and, and the way I did that was simply, you know, um, simply con- to confront my mother and simply, you know, tell her that either you... You you uh you know you 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 pay for my own apartment, or, or I'm gonna uh, tell the authorities everything I know. And the next day I had my own apartment, and she paid for it. At least you know the first few months, and then I was sort of on my own. But yeah. And how old were you? Fifteen. Fifteen when that happened, and you were you still in Germany, or did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but you you know we we moved away to to the north of Germany. Uh, at that time, you know, was your father ever um, did like I know you said there were times when um, your your mother was kind to uh, avoid him, but was he? Did you ever know of times where he was trying to reach out to you? Like, did you hear from him in any? Oh kind yeah, of- yeah. He always he always, he always tried uh, to have contact with me, and of course, I wanted to, I wanted to have contact with him, you know, but. Uh, <sighs> You know, um, in a way, uh, that that whole thing uh, kind of helped my mother to uh, to to keep my father away because 
everyone could see that, well, frankly, everyone could see that I was being abused. So everyone just kind of assumed it was my father that did that, even even though I've never seen him. So that kind of uh, helped my mother to convince the authorities to to not allow him to see me. Oh, understand. Yeah. How long did that did the abuse go on for? How, how, how much do you want to get into that? Because, like I said, um, you know, if you, if you want to put that on YouTube, then I might better avoid yeah. certain No, this isn't, going, this isn't going on YouTube, but just like, I mean, it's really, you know, like I told you before, I'm not trying to press anything. It's it's what you come... No, uh, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I can talk about it now. It's fine. I can talk about it now. I, I couldn't, you know, in the beginning, I couldn't talk. You know, if, if, we, if we would have had that talk like 10 years ago, I, I would just freeze and I wouldn't be able to talk about it. But um, I, I, you know, obviously, you know, I talk to uh, psychologists by now and I'm now stable enough uh, to, to talk about it. And, you know, the reason was also that, you know, a lot of initially, you know, I just, uh, how do you say this in English? I, I've, I've repressed everything, you know? Yes. Especially since, since I was... Since I I didn't since starting with fifteen I didn't really have anyone to 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 take care of me and my my mother only uh, paid the rent initially and then I you know had to figure out how to pay the rent myself which which I couldn't always do so I had to figure out uh, ways to make money and to get a job even at a young age I, I needed a job obviously but it was very difficult for me to get a job. Uh, because I was at a job interview, I would always be very nervous and I would always mess it up and uh, I would be socially awkward and I wouldn't know why. And that went on for a long time. It was a real struggle for me. And I, uh, I was like, wow, why is this happening? Why, why, why can't I get a job? Why am I so socially awkward? Yeah. And then I figured, well, maybe it's because of all, all the sexual abuse that I've been repressing for 20 years maybe that that might have something to do with that <clears throat> you know so so that's you know that's then when i when i started to uh you know talk to psychologists and, and get help so now i can talk about it initially you know like i said it, it everything kind of has to do with with the initial abortion that that my mother had uh, and that you know that that just messed her up because like i said she was forced to and she didn't want to and that that just messed messed her up completely and uh, she was probably also um, abused uh, uh, by her uh, boyfriend. I don't know that for sure, but it it uh, from what she told me, it sounds like it. So anyway, she she was she was really traumatized, and um, and 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 she started to hate men and started to blame men for for everything, basically. And um, then, of course, that presented a sort of a problem for her, you know, because she didn't want to have an abortion again, right? The whole point was to not have an abortion again. But what is she going to do if the child she has turns out to be male? She's going to have a problem with that, and she did have a problem with that. But then again, she can't get an abortion again because the whole point was to not have an abortion, right? So that, that was a bit of a problem for her because she really, really, really wanted and needed a, a, a girl, um, because she was afraid of men and she hated men for what they have done uh, to her, even though, you know, it's not, it's not like men did that. It's, it's specific men that did that, but she, she blamed it on all men, right? <laughs> so, so she figured, like I said, you know, 
at least back then, that that religious group was kind of like a commune. And uh, even though it's it builds itself as a as a Christian religious group, there are actually a lot of well, a lot of leftist ideology that's in there. I mean, they also have some 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 extreme right wing stuff. But anyway, the point is, my mother was also mm, very much uh, a, a a communist, and she was actually, you know, you know, back back when East Germany was still around, and so she actually had a lot of connections uh, to. Uh, to that as well. So she was. She wasn't just. She wasn't just a normal uh, uh, communist party member, but um, how do you say that? Like a, a communist of, official, basically. Uh, so she was very much indoctrinated um, with that kind of ideology as well. And um, one aspect of that they they teach you in in like Marxism one hundred and one is that um, there is nothing that is inborn. Basically, we are a product, that's like a leftist teaching, right? We are a product of our environment, like completely. There's nothing inborn. So she believed that. So she figured, well, if she just, you know, uh, raises me as a as a girl, then because gender, in her mind, is a uh, societal construct, as long as she just simply raises me as a girl, I, I will magically become a girl. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to have the parts, but... But other than that, I'm, I'm going to behave just like a girl and it's going to be fine. So she actually um, raised me as a girl, or at least she tried to raise me as a girl because I didn't like that at all. But that's that's how everything basically started, because I refused to be a girl. I didn't want that. So she, she started uh, uh, punishing me for that. And, you know, she had to beat me. She had to use, that's when she started using physical violence. Because that was the only way to get me to act like a girl. Uh, because I didn't want that. And un- unless she used physical violence, there was no way she's, she's, she, she was going to get me to behave like that. So at that point, she had to use physical violence, at least in her mind. So, And then also the, the sexual abuse uh, started as well. Because the moment I refused to uh, become a girl, that was what made it possible for her to do that stuff to me because because then I I wasn't a child anymore I wasn't an innocent child I was I was a man I was part of the group that did all these terrible things to her at least in her mind you know because she she wasn't really able to differentiate between individuals in a group you know because because that's that's what she believed she 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 was judging everyone based on their on their group not on on the individual so the the moment I I, I refused to be a girl. She uh, she started to also sexually abuse me. Man, it seems like you have um, nowadays a, a very good understanding of the psychological warfare or, you know, what was going on in her mind and her way of thinking, especially with her ideology to make, I don't want to say make sense, but for her to be able to do what she was doing and not feel anything about it or not, you know, have a, have a conscience for it because like like you said in in her reality you were now the enemy or somebody that she despises so why should i feel sorry or bad for doing this um never mind that that it's her own child when you were talking about everything that uh, ha- having to do with like what she was trying to do from a young age and that was trying to uh put you in girl clothes and girl get up and maybe maybe i'll change change him this way but i was wondering 
when you were part of the the communities because a lot of times like-minded people they tend to they they tend to like being around each other and you always I don't want to call it, well, I guess you could say like you're in an echo chamber. Sometimes you just want to be around people that think like you, that speak like you and anything that's challenging that it could be uncomfortable. So you'd rather stick to your own. In some of those communities, they have the same ideologies. So uh, I was wondering when you were younger and you were going through these, these terrible things um, with your mother, if you had had uh, met any kids or anybody that that may have um hinted to them having things done to them or having their their mother or their father acting a certain way towards them you know abuse or or any kind of sufferings to that extent you you mean you mean at at the time when we were living in in that religious community yes no uh and i'm i'm not i want to make that clear you know because i don't want to offend uh, these people too much and I'm, I'm not accusing them of of uh, sexually abusing me I'm you know just accusing my mother so I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that you know I, I don't at the end of the day yes I, I was trying to make sense of it but at the end of the day I, I don't know for for certain why so I'm, I'm certainly not saying that um, that it was because of the religious group I don't know I honestly don't know. And I don't know if other things like that happened with, with other people in that religious group. I, I honestly don't know because um, now, now I, you know, I, I've, I've thought about what happened a lot and, you know, um, try to understand and make sense of it all. It was very, very important to me to, to be able to overcome all that. That was, that was very important to, to, to understand why. That was very important to me because if if you experience something like that initially, and the perpetrator will will actually want that. The perpetrator will want you to blame yourself, even though oh, obviously that's complete rubbish, and um, you know obviously it's not the fault of the child when when something like that is done to them. But uh, a child doesn't understand that, and at that time I didn't understand that, so. Uh, for a long time, I was blaming myself, right? So it was very important for me to to um, to actually understand w- what was going on, and 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 that that's why I that's why I, I tried to make sense of it all, right? Uh, but back then, I didn't ha- I didn't yet have that ability, so I I wouldn't have been even even if there might have been other children with you know. Um, with similar circumstances, I wouldn't at at that time I wouldn't have been able to recognize it. How were you able to make ends meet at such a young age? Because I don't know how it is in Germany, but isn't there a, a were you working jobs under the table, just odd jobs, so you can survive during that time? Because you're 15 years old and left to fend for yourself. <laughs> it was difficult because you know because normally. Um, if if you if you get help from the authorities, you know you basically get provided everything. But um, since that wasn't the case for me, yeah, I ba- I was basically working odd jobs, so to say. I didn't I didn't have much money, and but but I also was able to save a lot of money because, you know, because back then um, it, it was it was easier to um, 
well, for, for example, nowadays, you live in Germany yourself, right? And uh, so you know how it is, right? Uh, so, um, of course, you know, Germany is great. Germ Germany has universal health care. Yeah. Uh, and free healthcare, free healthcare that free healthcare that obviously you have to pay for. Uh, so <laughs> it's not it's not really free healthcare, but you know you know how it is. Every everyone is forced, uh, yeah. uh, for for example, you know to 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 pay um, uh, healthcare even even if they're not getting any benefits from that. But back then it was, for example, still possible to not do that. So I I simply wasn't paying healthcare. I and I wasn't you know I was still young so I wasn't really getting sick so 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 I just I just you know that was one way I saved money is just simply not pay for healthcare and not having healthcare either which probably was a bad idea but it you know it worked out fine so yeah so so I was just I was I was trying to save as much money yeah. as possible and you know do do odd jobs and do whatever I was always trying to get jobs and I took whatever jobs I was able to get most of the jobs I didn't get because I was you know I was still so socially awkward because that whole experience left me very socially awkward yeah that's what I was going to ask you also because of all of the um, failed attempts for you to get help I mean, how, how were you feeling towards people at that point in your life? Was it, did you feel like you couldn't trust anybody anyways? Like you said, you were socially awkward, but I mean, did did you feel like um, you would rather keep to yourself because of a lack of trust and confidence and in, in people uh, being there for you when you felt like you would need them or you needed them in your life? I, I felt that there was something wrong with me, you know, and that's, that's that's very typical. That's that's with you know basically everyone that was sexually abused as a child. They're gonna blame themselves at least initially, right? Uh, or or at least as as long as they don't get help, which is why it's important to get you know professional help and to talk to a psychologist. And as long as they don't do that, then they usually aren't able to to break out of that, and they they they're stuck with with blaming themselves and. Of course, that's painful, you know, because the whole memory is painful. And then on top of that, you blame yourself for all the terrible things that have happened. And that that would that's what leads people uh, to repress all to simply repress all these memories. You know, and repressing the memories doesn't mean that you you can't remember anymore. It just means that you don't want to remember because it's painful. And on top of it being painful, you blame yourself for all of that, right? So so it's really um important um uh to to talk to a psychologist and when and it, it's it's only when i started to do that 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 was that i was able to to break out of all of that can you remember that that time or that that point when you um took that step to try to seek help and figure out how you can um better your condition and and work towards some type of healing and recovery for for everything that happened in the past mm. Um, uh, well, I think the turning point is uh, I watched, uh, I like, for, for some weird reason, oh, actually, I know why. <laughs> I, I don't know if you may have time to get into that. I really like horror movies. Uh, and the reason why is because when I was four years old, my mother watched Alien with me. Uh, that I think that, that was the first time it was shown on TV, you know, the original Alien movie. And she was she was scared to watch it alone, and uh, 
so she thought it was a, a, a good idea to to have her little child uh, watch it with her. And it, of course, it completely traumatized me. <laughs> and and it was, was horrible. I, I had nightmares for weeks. But after the nightmares went away, I noticed something. Uh, and I noticed something in that movie. Other than, you know, it being a scary movie. It's also, um, you know, because actually Alien is about is about sexual abuse. And Ripley, in a way, is a is a, is a survivor. I, of course, back then I didn't I didn't understand that consciously, but I understood it subconsciously. It gave me hope in a way because she because she was able to overcome all that. You know, she she suffered all this horrible abuse because everything in Alien is symbolic about you know for for sexual abuse. Uh, and I didn't know that as a child, but I noticed it subconsciously, and I noticed that she, at the end of the day, she was able to survive all that and to overcome all that, and that gave me tremendous hope. So that's that's why I like horror movies. And I was watching a a similar psychological horror movie, and and there was a scene in that where um, where the protagonist of that movie. Uh, was was talking about his childhood and and how he was um, uh, sexually abused and and how he was blaming himself for that and then the psychologist says to him that you know that's complete rubbish you know that obviously it's not the fault of 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 a small child when it gets sexually abused and I I watched that. And, and and obviously, you know, at that point, I understood. Oh, 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 you know, and that's that's when I got help. Whoa, how you um you spoke of aliens. Now I I feel like I would have to rewatch it with that in mind because in your reference, you're saying that that's a metaphor for sexual abuse. That whole movie in the uh, that's crazy. In a subconscious level, who knows? The creator, the director, maybe in a subconscious level had that on mind. But of course, sometimes you want to do things in a more subtle way and you use symbols or you use characters, but you're really referring to something else. In his creating it, subconsciously, his thoughts and all that, they're put out into the ether. And then, boom, you as a child, you connected with that, even though you didn't know it at the time, like you said, in a conscious level, but subconsciously there was something there that was making complete sense to you and, and hitting home in a in a, a different way. Wow. Right, right. Everyone notices it subconsciously, uh, and that's what makes it scary, you know? Um, um, now, you know, one thing that really strikes me is all, and we could only, we only have time to talk about so much, but I mean, I I can't even begin to imagine the the stuff you had to go through, and but but the thing that strikes me out of all of all of this is how you still seem upbeat. You know, you seem chipper. You seem uh, friendly. You seem you said you were socially awkward at one time, but I mean, you seem like you you you're you're loose and you're easygoing. Like it's so good to see that. The thing is, um, when you've been traumatized, it never goes away completely. You know, if, if you work on yourself, you, you can make it go away to, to a certain extent. And, and 
to to the extent that that you're able to live a normal life and 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 be happy uh you can you can do that uh and and you can you can live a a normal happy life if if you if you work on yourself but yeah it, of course it it always um it's it's always kind of there it's it's like i don't, i don't know how to describe that maybe maybe a kind of subconscious fear you know because because you've been traumatized you're always kind of afraid of that happening again and that fear never goes away completely uh, but you can get to the point where you control the fear instead of the fear controlling you oh that's powerful years have passed so um like throughout this time what has been some some things that you've worked out or like tools that you use to um help with the healing the only thing that's that's left to talk about and that i intentionally didn't uh, mention and and that i usually don't mention because it's it's very personal and especially you know if we're, if we're talking about um such uh, uh religious groups and it's also you know especially nowadays with with all these horrible things happening even even in the catholic church you know you, you have like priests uh, uh, abusing altar boys you know and that, that was also you know i mean that that was also a a, a huge um a thing that a, a religious group i grew up with um was was criticizing about the catholic church right so it's come to a point where where religion has has almost gotten a, a bad name and it's it's something bad and in a, in a way even though religion isn't the same as as faith uh, and it isn't the same as as god right people have difficulty distinguishing between that so so when they when they see like a catholic priest abusing an altar boy they in a way they kind of blame god for that even though obviously it's not god's fault right and that's that's kind of one of the things i, I that was very important for me to learn was not to blame someone else right because you always tend to do that right when something terrible like that happens right you say oh it's my own fault for for having been sexually abused at, at, at like 5 years old how is that your own fault that's not your own fault and if they don't say oh it's my own fault they say oh it's god's fault how is it god's fault exactly i mean shouldn't it just be the fault of the perpetrator it's it's the fault of the perpetrator isn't it i mean right so that that's very important and so um it was very important for me to realize that as well you know because because of all these bad experiences and initially i i was also like feeling like oh it in a way i was also blaming god and and i didn't have any faith but then i realized that just because you know some religions mess up that doesn't mean uh it's it's god's fault and so for me it was also important to 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 have my own faith and my own faith in god uh and and not not necessarily you know ha- having any religious community i always try to to separate that and in german you say well you say the same as in english actually you say religious community so um or or, or faith or faith community no in german in german you say faith community glaubensgemeinschaft so a lot of a lot of people focus on on the community but not on the faith you know but you can have faith without the community what do you need a community of of humans for you can, you can you can just have you know your own faith in god you don't you don't need the community aspect so it was so that was something that 
for me personally was was important was to regain my faith in God. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has their own journey, and you're right. You're right that we can the same way we can generalize um, one person wronging us, and then now it's everybody. You know, like how you said for one thing, you're a mother because of what man, what one man did, and then now it was all men are the enemy. And the same thing, like if it has to do with, it could be a a religious group or something. And then now anything that religious group represents, including God, I want no part of it. But uh, that could uh, definitely be the wrong way to go about it. I'm curious, um, what's become of your mother and your father? Is there no contact at all with them these Mm, days? I have contact with my father now. Now I, not, not, now that my mother doesn't interfere with it anymore, I'm I'm able to to have contact with with my father, and I you know I, I have contact with my father, and I well you know I I, I like him, <laughs> nothing 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 wrong with him, you know obviously you know it was it was very difficult for both of us, right? And there were some aspects that neither of us knew how to deal with back then. Um, but, but other than that, um, he, he, he's a normal, nice guy and and I like him kind of, yeah. (laughs) And it's a shame that, that, you know, that he never had the opportunity to really be my, my father. I mean, to actually be there for me, Yeah. but it's not his fault. It's not his fault. And my mother, um, well, you know, after, after I ran away, so initially the, you know, the first couple of years after I went went away, I I blocked contact with her completely, and and that was important uh, uh, to me at at that time. I I just I just needed to get away from everything. You know, it was too traumatic. I just needed some distance, and so the first couple of years I didn't have any contact with her, and then then after that, you know, after I had some breathing space. I, I I tried approaching her again to just have a normal relationship despite all despite all that happened you know just just have a normal relationship now but that was never possible she always felt um how do you how do you say this in English she always started to behave in the same patterns and she was unable to break out of that um how should I explain this it's like um you know, because of this whole Disney thing, you know, the word grooming uh, has always, has almost, you know, people don't take it serious. It's like they make fun of it, you know, but it's actually a very serious thing. And it's, it's, it's a horrible thing, you know, that exists, that there is grooming and there are predators out there that use these kinds of tactics uh, uh, to manipulate their victims, it's it's a very serious issue, but people nowadays don't take it serious anymore. But it's it's a very serious thing, and it it exists, and that's that's what my mother actually used, and and what she did with me, and uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. think she did that consciously. You know, it's not like she went on the internet. I mean, besides there not being an internet back then. It's not, it's not like she went on the internet and looked up, oh, how do you groom someone? And oh, what are the, like, what are the five stages of grooming or whatever? And, and, and then she just went by them. She didn't do that consciously, but she sort of did that automatically because those are simply the most effective ways 
for a <clears throat> pedophile. <laughs> uh, beep that word if you can't say that. <laughs> right, yeah. A pedophile is a pedophile. There's nothing to blurp out. But those are the most effective uh, ways for a pedophile to manipulate uh, his victim. And and she, she, she was unable to break out of that pattern. So it was not possible for me to have a normal relationship with her. I assume after that, the door is shut. And yeah, what can you do? Yeah, well, actually, actually, she just, well, last year, I got a call because I didn't have any contact with her for, for like many, many years, for, for decades, actually. So now, now I kind of regret that, you know, at least after the first decade or so, I should have I should have tried having contact with her again. I mean, like I said, I did I did try to have contact with her. And it just it just didn't work. But still, now I feel that maybe maybe I should have tried harder, because last year I got a call from from someone that I I, I knew from my childhood, and she told me that my mother had passed away, and I didn't even know she she wasn't that old, you know, she was uh, sixty six, I think. Yeah, I think she was around around sixty six. She, she she wasn't old. I didn't expect her to die that soon. I I, I always. I was always hoping that someday it would be possible for me to to have a normal conversation with her and maybe to talk about all that. Yeah, and and you know, so so that kind that came kind of suddenly because I kept my distance and I I needed distance, but that also meant that no one um was was telling me about her and no one was telling me that that she was sick i didn't i didn't know that she was sick at all and i feel you know obviously they should have they knew that i wanted that i needed distance and i didn't want to talk to her but still they they, they should have realized that if she's sick then they should have told me about that so it turns out she was sick for a long time and and then she died and mm. yeah so it seemed like even despite everything you still had, uh, would, is it fair to say you still had love for her in a sense? Well, definitely not the kind of love that she wanted from me. Yeah. So no, no not that kind of love because that, that wasn't, that wasn't the appropriate kind of love. But obviously I felt, I felt very sad. I did. I did. I mean, initially, initially I didn't know how to deal with it, but after having heard all, all the circumstances and, Having heard about her being sick, I of course feel feel very sorry for her, and I I feel sorry that we were never able to to really talk about all that happened, and you know to to maybe I I, I was always I was always hoping that someday it, it would be possible to have a normal conversation with her and and maybe have a normal relationship with her and to move past all that has happened. Man, you have a a very forgiving heart you know some people would it, it's hard to let go of things and then if they're wronged or if they're you know they, they've gone through certain things in their life uh, sometimes they they're wishing the worst for their perpetrator but you on the other hand you had a different uh heart towards that this was your mother but you still wanted to try to see if there was a way you can uh, resolve some of the things or just maybe find some kind of clarity as to it or like you said work past it or forgiving your perpetrator without forgiving there, there there's not going to be any road to you 
starting to heal and work past the trauma that you've been dealt so yeah actually um that's that's precisely uh, uh the aspect where me um reestablishing my own faith in god was was important uh was invaluable actually uh, and you know, even even from a uh, materialistic or, or or atheist point of view, that actually helps a lot. You know, even even if you even if you might not believe in in God, you got to admit that if someone believes in God and believes that eventually God will judge people, it helps them not to judge people by themselves right not to uh and, and not not to seek revenge i don't i don't need to seek revenge you know because i believe god will judge people we spoke like this was one of those things that came up at the spur of the moment for me connecting with you and then you having time and um space today to share your story and this i knew a little bit of what was going on um before we we started to have this conversation online, but um, I, uh, yeah, I, I commend I commend you for for being op- open and and willing to uh, share this with us today. And I know you're you're also you're involved with a few things, right? I mean, like say if people listening would like to uh, reach out to you, they'd like to you know shoot a shoot a message, say hello, or um, just see what you're involved with. Is there any anywhere? Or any place that they could find you online or offline. Well, yeah, you know, like like we already mentioned, uh, you know, I, I I have a YouTube channel that I haven't uploaded to in a while, but still, <laughs> you know, pe- people people can go there if they if they want to. Just search for um, the last name is actually not my real name. I, I just got it from 1984. It's uh, it's the it's the antagonist in in 1984, the, the enemy of Big Brother, Emanuel Goldstein. That that's how you would pronounce it in German, anyway. So anyway, just 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 go on YouTube, search for Emanuel Goldstein, and um, and and you'll find my channel. Cool. I'm gonna leave that all of that information in the um, show notes so people can look you up. If they if they so please in 1984, that is one of my favorites. I, I've read it once, yeah, I've read too, it again, too, and I'm probably going to read it a third time some sometime, uh, but I have that book, and oh my goodness. Uh, what, what's the old saying? Uh, there, there's a, there was like a meme made out of it. It's like 1984. Wasn't supposed to be an instruction manual. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you, 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 knew, you knew exactly where I was going with that one. <laughs> Oh, and two plus two does not equal five. (laughs) Equals five, yes. If the party tells you it equals five, then it does. (laughs) Man, this has been, even though uh, you you shared a lot, like you said, uh, you were asking me, what are you comfortable with me sharing? I'm like, "Um, just let it rip. You know, I can go ahead and set a disclaimer beforehand. I'm, I'm not going to censor anybody. And I'm not going to say, no, this is off limits. Like, no, no, you go ahead and speak your piece and, and uh, let the people decide. We're all grown adults here. We had a good run. I feel like I, I mean, I, I really like your attitude. I, I appreciate your um, your way of 
looking at things in life. You know, I, I really that that really I hear this and I'm it's it's refreshing to hear from me. And, and um, even though despite all of the that that you've been through, but you're still pushing, you're still fighting. And that's really what what this show is about. It's about highlighting stories of people that we all have our struggles. We all started from different places and we all been through different things. Um, not to say this person is worse or no, you don't understand. I mean, of course, our experiences are unique and they're different. But um, the other point is that people have also found ways to overcome it. They found ways to uh, work on the recovery towards healing and living. Like you said, there's some things you're not going to out. You're not going to wipe it out completely, but you can uh, you can still uh, find a way to live a, a, a productive and meaningful life like you like like you've done and, and that you're, you're continuing to do so that that's a beautiful thing to hear. And um, these are the type of stories that that I so much appreciate and and love to share. So uh, with that being said, is there um, anything else you'd like to leave leave the listeners off with uh, before we we wrap this thing up? Ich, ich glaube, das war ein sehr gutes Schlusswort. <laughs> I, I believe that was a very a good way of um, uh, summarizing and, 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 and uh, ending, uh, ending it. <laughs> Richtig. <laughs> okay, Emmanuel. I know I'm saying it wrong again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Every everyone says it differently. It's got a it's it's got a different charm for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Forgiveness. That was a big part of Emmanuel's healing process. To be able to forgive somebody who abused him, who robbed him of his childhood who did all these terrible things to him, his own mother. But years later, he was able to come to terms with forgiving her, trying to reach out to her in the hopes of maybe making amends and getting past that and possibly even building something or at least talking about what happened. That in itself takes courage. He credits his faith in God, his faith that helped him along the way. But forgiveness, how many of us struggle with that? Forgiving ourselves, forgiving those that have stepped in our toes and did us wrong, those that have burned us in the past, it's hard to forgive. But that grudge that we hold on to, that resentment, it could be like a ball and chain in our ankle and tie us down. So his message of forgiveness, that spoke to me too. And also let the words echo that came from Emmanuel about anybody who's been a victim of any type of abuse. Don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. Don't blame yourself. He struggled with that. And so many others struggle with that. Blaming themselves, holding themselves responsible for the wrong that happened to them. But the only one who should be held responsible for that is the perpetrator, not you. Emmanuel, for everything that you've been through, everything that you pushed through, you found your way. You found healing. You found growth. You found maturity. And you're in a better place now because of it. There's no doubt. You are a giant amongst us. I want to thank you for sharing your words and sharing your story with us. 
It was a spur of the moment thing. I spoke with him that day and he said he was available right then and there. So we did it on the spot, not really on the spot, but about an hour and two after our first message. So he was game and he was really interested in sharing his story. So thank you. My hat's off to you. All the best. I'll leave all of his information in the description box in the show notes. So anybody listening to his story and they want to check him out, check out his YouTube or get in contact with him and just send him a line to let him know. Thank you for sharing your words. And thank you to everybody listening. I see now that there's people from China, Russia, Sweden, Denmark, Ireland, New Zealand, Brazil, We've got people from Germany, of course, the U.S. from all over. So thank you to everybody that has been tuned in and everyone that has been a part of the show. And you can always check out the website. You can leave a comment, some feedback on any one of the shows and episodes that you listened to and that spoke to you and that you appreciated. And you can also leave a message. And if you like, I can share that message on one of the up and coming episodes give you a shout out because I do appreciate everybody that has been a part of this show and a part of this experience. Share it with someone you think who might find value in it. And before I go, if you like to be a part of this show and share your story or even a story of someone in your life that has impacted you in a positive way, you could always reach out to me via email. I'd be happy to connect. Until next time. And very soon. Peace. Do do up, do up, do up, do 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 up, do I'm looking for a sign to know I'm on the right road. Ain't seen no sign since Jericho.